and welcome to the Port Swing Orchestra podcast. I'm your conductor, Barry Stone. This week I speak with Mark Menjivar. This episode continues our series of conversations with artists participating in the Vast is the Sea series curated by Port Swing Orchestra, consisting of eight presentations from artists whose diverse works are united by their explorations of images and sound presented by Colab Projects in Austin, Texas. Mark will be presenting his work at 7 p.m. on Saturday, January 27th. Each event is ticketed separately. You can purchase tickets on a sliding scale starting as low as $5 at collabprojects.org. That is co-labprojects, one word, dot O-R-G. But before I get into our conversation, I should tell you that Portrait Orchestra is an art project that pairs music recorded outside with images made on site, performed and recorded at home and away, solo and with others. Our orchestra is comprised of birds, guitars, artists, poets, and passing cars that spontaneously create ephemeral, symphonic, chance-inspired compositions. The original site and hub for all things PSO can be found at portswingorchestra.org. In addition to buying tickets, you can support PSO by subscribing and giving five stars to this podcast, following our feeds on Spotify and YouTube, or buying merch and recordings on our Bandcamp page. We have a brand new album, pressed to CD, collecting PSO's second year of pieces. Each CD comes, maybe somewhat ironically, with a digital download. Uh, not many people have CD players anymore. Mark Menjivar is no stranger to PSO and the PSO podcast. We have first collaborated on PSO 142 entitled Cicada Song, where Mark provided a field recording of activist Glory Rubach. Uh, her speech speaking against the impending execution of Chris Young at the Walls Prison Unit in Huntsville, Texas. You can hear that piece in PSO podcast and YouTube video number 212. Mark also joined PSO live in the James Terrell Sky Space, providing an array of processed bird sounds sourced from the Texas Bird Sound Library, housed at Sam Houston University. The Bird Sound Library is an archive Menjivar is engaged in, actively engaged, I should say, in re- reactivating. You can hear him talking about that in rich detail in PSO Podcast 219. We'll have uh, links in the show notes to all these things. Mark is an associate professor at the School of Art and Design at Texas State University. He teaches in studio and most recently and happy, happily for me in the photography department, where I have taught for the last 15 years. He holds a BA in social work from Baylor University and an MFA in social practice from Portland State University. Mark is engaged in projects at venues including the Rothko Chapel, Eastern State Penitentiary, the Bemis Center for Contemporary Art, the Houston Center for Photography, the Puerto Rican Museum of Art and Culture, Blue Star Contemporary Art Museum, and the Cranart Art Museum. He has partnered on projects with many community organizations including the San Anto Cultural Arts, Bloom Project, Black Outside, Mitchell Lake Audubon Center, Cass Schools, Libraries Without Borders, and the HEB Foundation. Mark is an artist in residence with the Texas After Violence Project, a public memory archive that fosters deeper understandings of the impacts of state violence. He's also a member of Borderland Collective, founded by our colleague in the photography program at Texas State, Jason Reed. Borderland Collective utilizes collaborations between artists, educators, youth, and community members to engage complex issues and build space for diverse perspectives, meaningful dialogue, and modes of creation around border issues. In my interview with Mark, we talked mostly about his upcoming presentation on Saturday, January 27th, at Collab Projects in Austin. 
ideas of migration, birds, ecologies, criminal justice, and what's next for this engaging and very busy artist are all topics that we cover. After our conversation, we'll hear a portion of PSO's live set performed on Saturday, January 20th, as a part of the Vast is the Sea series. I should mention that that series is also funded in part by grants from the Cultural Arts Division of the City of Austin Economic Development Department, the Texas Commission on the Arts, and the National Endowment for the Arts, as well as HEB. Our performance also featured processed samples sourced from the Texas Bird Sound Library provided by Mr. Menjivar himself, so making a kind of link between um, our endeavors. And now, here's my interview with Mark Menjivar. Hi, and welcome back to the Port Swing Orchestra podcast. Welcome, Mark Menjivar. Thank you, Barry. Good to be here again. Yeah, cheers. Uh, so, Mark is here on the occasion of his performance on January 27th starting at 7 p.m. at CoLab Projects in Austin, Texas. You can obtain sliding scale tickets starting as low as $5 um, at the CoLab's website, which is co-labprojects.org. So um, head over there to get the tickets. Um, The weather's supposed to be lovely as opposed to what it was on the first night, which was a little bit chilly, but lovely nonetheless um, in spirit. And so, yeah, we're here to talk about it. But before we kind of dive into that, I want to talk to ask you, Mark, kind of to talk about, you know, your work in general. You work um, in several different modes, you know, from photography to social engaged practices to um, you know, publications and archives um, and have a wide ranging sort of field of inquiry um, and broadly defined thinking about sort of social justice and ideas of migration are, I think, two themes that lead top of mind for me. So, um, yeah, can you describe kind of your briefly? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many different ways, right, that we can talk about our all of our practices, you know yeah. what I mean? It's an easier way to kind of categorize it. I mean, about half of what I do is around uh, issues in the criminal justice system, and the other half I do is around immigration and migration, and those come because of my context, right? Live in San Antonio, a couple hours from the border, in a state that, you know, executes more people than anybody else. But I also... You know, I value dialogue over debate, even though I think we need spaces for rigorous debate in our society. But I'm always trying to find ways to approach both of those um, that are inclusive, right? That invite people in uh, to talk about or think about those differently. And in particular with this project, I think that um, one lens that I view migration through is uh, birds, right? And how can we use uh, that ecosystem that's always around us, right? Whether we are paying attention to it or not, to think deeply about issues of migration in our in our world. Right. And so that you know, that that opens a, a lot of issues, right? You're thinking of just as the, you know, birds and migration as a kind of vehicle, then that, of course, touches into ecology and, and how we fit into this greater uh, sort of um, 
ecosystem, right? Um, and social justice, criminal justice, all that business of how we treat one another, how we live together yeah. in a society and how we live on earth. Um, thinking about like field recording, um, because that's a huge part of your practice. Um, and uh, you've got all the all the stuff. And I'm always excited to visit and, and talk and nerd out about all the things that you're doing. So at CoLab, we have like this culvert and we're projecting uh, images on the ceiling. But there's also a pretty robust sound system for speakers on either side of the sort of center space that really create an immersive uh, audio field. So can you talk about some of the the sort of audio component of what's going on? We haven't really even like laid out what what's happening in general, but I just hopped right into sort of uh, the technical uh, audio part of it. But However you want to approach it, can you talk yeah. about like what we're going to hear and maybe what we're going to see? Totally. And maybe what I'll do is I'll give it just a brief little overview of even what, what's happening or Perfect. what it is. Yeah. But, uh, but first off, Barry, I just want to say thank you to you uh, for creating this uh, opportunity, not just for me, but for so many others that come in. And I've really appreciated it on many levels, but I've, but this body of work in particular hasn't really found a home. It's been something I've been working on for a while. And so I love the opportunity to get to experiment in a way, right, and to bring it into the public for the first time. So, um, and the project, the working title that I've been using is My Upsitta. Uh, I'm probably totally butchering that, um, but it is part of the scientific name for the monk parakeet. And uh, the monk parakeet, also sometimes known as a Quaker parrot, is a small uh, parrot that originates in South America, but was and still remains pretty popular in the bird pet trade here in the United States. And there are colonies or um, uh, populations of these wild parrots that thrive in the South. And so I know Austin has um, some uh, monk parakeets. San Antonio has some as well. And years ago, I saw some of them flying in, in San Antonio, actually around the missions, and it really made me become curious and to dive into some of the research around them and to find where they are living in San Antonio. And I was really drawn to the fact that here are these parrots that were taken from um, the lands that they originate in and brought to uh, North America, right, as part of this pet trade, and then escaped or released and have actually begun to thrive. And they are very, very communal parrots. Um, they uh, they groom each other. They are paired up. They build these amazing nests inside of um, electrical lines, primarily, or even I don't even know the official term for what these power plants are called, right? But mm. we kind of always find them there down in the valley of Texas. They're up in um, telephone poles and stuff like that. So I just became really interested in them and found where they live. And a couple of years ago, I started going down and, and filming them. But that's only part of it, too, right? Because there is an audio component to it, this, too. And, that, and it's not just um, an iPhone uh, that you're sticking up in there or mm -hmm. using the audio that's directly from the video, which exactly. can be quite I, interesting I, and good. I, I kind of gave a pause there, right? Because I realized I was like, oh, my God, I can monologue about this for a so long. But, yes, but, you know, so I went down, I started filming, and and really it was by accident on the first day that I went and filmed, it was on an overcast day. And so what happened, right, is that the sky was completely blown out, and it was just like this, like, otherworldly scene, apocalyptical kind of space, and I was really drawn to that. And then, you know, um, I've always liked good tools, and so I started messing around. I'd never 
I've worked a little bit in video, but not on really the technical side, but I kind of had in my mind this like, you know, whatever, like a nature video, right? This like super mm -hmm. crisp, clean uh, 4K, which took me a while to get there. And then once I finally did get the right tools to be able to do that, then I really started thinking about the audio and ended up uh, using a parabolic dish, which that's kind of like a uh, a zoom for your ears, right? If you think about like a like a yeah. football game or sporting event, you see the people standing there with the big dishes, you know, kind of capturing it. And that's really what it is. And really what I wanted to be able to do was to hopefully, you know, just like the, the footage is super crisp and clear and you can kind of see every little detail in it. I wanted it to be the same for the audio, right? And the place that I'm filming is right next to uh, a freeway. So there's a lot of kind of rumble and background noise. Mm -hmm. And really there's no way to... Um, to get rid of that and so but i wanted to try to focus it as much on the bird sound as as i could so that rumble is there but then it also got me thinking about what are those sounds that exist um that maybe that we're not even able to hear with our ears right and i always think about with birds right this whole kind of ecosystem that exists whether we choose to recognize it or not and so that also led me to um capturing some electromagnetic sounds as well so going out with a very specialized microphone and recording the sounds that are coming from literally this power station right and we can't hear them while we're standing there but the birds are living in it every single day right and i think about like you know i wouldn't want my house necessarily to be next to one of those because i may be thinking about what's entering my body or my kid's body or stuff like that and here are these parrots that right despite even that they're thriving right they are there and and going on with life every single day it's so interesting to think about that right thinking about so these sort of spectrums of of sensation or perception that we, that are invisible to us that they can be re revealed for these tools right this is sort of like the you know walter benjamin's sort of uh, you know revolutionary sort of uh, potential of of opticality right where we could watch a gesture over and over again we can see something that the eye can't see we can see you know in edgerton's pictures you know the the bullet going through the apple and all these odd things you know the horse's hooves come off the off the track um as we know Moybridge. from edward moybridge's yeah. pictures yeah. the world is constructed uh, by yeah. our own senses and yet is outside it and so here is something where you're sort of um, with the infrastructure, with the, you know, the zooming electronic ear, but then also yeah. with the electromagnetic ear, yeah. all those things are swirling together to create, you know, a, a, a new kind of ecology that's sort of, um, you know, an invisible ecology, but then at the same time, quite, quite a lived situation and, and tangible yeah. in its own way. Yeah. Well, as I say, another interesting aspect to it as well is actually the, uh, the presence of filming. And so when I'm out there, right, I'm like with a tripod and they got this long lens and I got headphones on, I got this big dish, you know what I mean? And it's a pretty, pretty public spot. You know, there's a lot of cyclists that go by there on the weekend and, you know, inevitably, you know, there are one or two people every single time I'm out that stop where they shout out, what are you doing? You know, and so I've started just saying, uh, I'm making a documentary about the parrots, you know, or, <laughs> or it's like, I, I'm making a film about the parrots. That's what yeah. I yell back. Yeah, and everyone yeah, stays yeah. kind of like, what? what? You know, yeah. and then I'll have, you know, some of the neighbors that live nearby, they stop and they're, you know, they talk about how they, you know, have, they watch them every single day and they see them and, you know, people come out and sometimes people come out and they actually 
actually feed them. I've never seen that, but neighbors have told me that, that some people do that and they fly down. And so, uh, but it's, it's a spectacle inside of that as well. You know, uh, I have to say that sounds like a, you know, a, a potential Frederick Wiseman's type of documentary. It sounds amazing. Well, I also wanted to say, you know, just in the spirit of, and why, Perhaps it seems appropriate for a port swing orchestra umbrella to embrace this project is that, yeah, the highway is there um, and there is electronic sounds. And so there are things that intrude, quote unquote, um, into our sort of pure auditory experience. Right. Um, You know, uh, you're not making a nature documentary you're making an artwork that is uh, sort of embracing in some ways kind of chance operation but then also is very focused and intentional um at the same time right so and this is a way that the world and and the artwork can talk back to us um and and create that sort of field of noticing um that is heightened um especially when you bring your presence to a, a space um, kind of like collab, we're going to have we have blankets on the ground, and you can. Uh, I think the best le- position is you're actually laying like flat out um, uh, and just yeah. like really laying down and, and watching the thing happen. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty magical for us, you know, a, a, a rectangle made out of cement uh, to command such power. But it it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty great. So I I think this this project is going to look. Amazing. So one question I have in the past, you know, we have collaborated and you've used some bird sounds. And I want to I want to give a shout out uh, both to you and um, the um, Texas uh, sound. What Texas Texas Bird Sound Library. Yeah, I was going to say sound birds, but that's not right. Texas Bird Sound Library, which is an archive that Mark really sort of is is animating again uh, it's housed at uh sam houston university and um it's a collection of all kinds of uh, field recordings which we talked a little bit about um in our last conversation but mark in the past has animated those live doing sound processing while we played guitars um but was he's in mexico city right now um yeah. And so wasn't able to um, to join us, although we we did miss his presence. But we did incorporate some of those sounds in the performance that we did on the twentieth. So I want to shout out both to you and and uh, the the Texas uh, Birdsong Library for and, that. And Barry, I'm thrilled that y'all were able to use it because I think that one of the dreams that I have for the Texas Birdsong Library is that other artists would be able to take that and make it their own, right, and incorporate it in. And so. While we talked a bunch about it, the fact that you were able to use some of those field recordings in that makes me so happy. Well, one thing I wanted to ask about that pertaining to so so much in your process too, and we've we've talked about this, you know, ecological sound projects. You know, when you're broadcasting bird sounds into the into the open air, that can be that can be confusing for the the birds that actually live there. Um, and then also, sound processing has been part of. Uh, your practice, and I was wondering in this in this particular um, manifestation, are you thinking about processing the sound in any way, or wh- how 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 is that going to be presented? Yeah, I um, great question. And there's kind of two parts. One is with the with the field recording of the birds and the highway and all of that. I'm really experimenting right now with some echo, and um, not not so much reverb, but really playing around with the echo and. 
honestly, I, I think I'm going to be working on it right up until the <laughs> end of this week. Because it's like every single time I play it, I'm like, ooh, what's this? You know what I mean? Yeah, and I do yeah. it. I love that, right? I yeah, love yeah. To, to do it and make those decisions. And then with the elect, uh, electromagnetic recording, mm. it actually gets super harsh in certain places. And I think for me, inside of performance, I'm not really drawn to kind of that harsh shock of the crowd, you know, where you have something that's soft and gentle, and then all of a sudden something like pierces you. Right. I've been in performances, and while I try to understand my body just does not at this, you know, mid forties does not take that well. And not so, I, yeah, 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 exactly. So what I've been doing for that one is pulling out certain sections and then actually looping and overlapping that to create a, you know, accurate to the context of, you know, where I'm recording, but also thinking about the viewer's experience and kind of, yeah, the fact that we're going to be laying down, looking up, um, you know, onto the the culvert and then seeing, yeah, seeing that. Yeah, so yeah. Well, those I mean, are kind even, of the two ways you know, I'm thinking about yeah. processing this one. Yeah, I mean, that electric magnetic thing is going to um, also scramble uh, what what otherwise might be a pure uh, sound, if you will, uh, coming from it. That's awesome. Well, I'm really looking forward to... Uh, seeing that before we sort of wrap up you're a busy man so uh now you're you're in mexico city doing some stuff what are you excited about on the horizon what's what's happening you're always got a lot yeah. of things happening you know there is i'll keep it within the uh the realm of birds right now but there's kind of uh two projects coming up that i'm super excited about one is that i have a uh, I received a commission from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology to do an eight-channel sound installation for a Maya Lin sculpture that's a permanent piece there at the visitor center. And so that's, I'm kind of right. deep in that work right now, and that'll be delivered and installed in early May. Hmm. And I'm really excited. So there's eight channels, and I'm thinking about the, the channels in pairs. And so there'll be sonic loops of bird sounds from representing the four main flyways uh, connecting North, Central, and South America. And so there'll be these, you know, four loops inside of eight speakers inside of this sound ring uh, for that piece. So, like, super excited about that. That sounds and, epic. Oh, it's, 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 it's beautiful. And then the other piece that I'm really excited about, um, just received a commission from the San Antonio River Foundation to do a permanent public sculpture on the Mission Reach of the San Antonio River. And so this is going to be what it's looking like it's going to end up being is a 300 linear foot sculpture that will be one half bird blind and one half outdoor classroom. And everything, the conceptual parts of it are all coming from data visualization of wind patterns, right, that affect bird migration along the central flyway so much. And so we are, uh, can't discuss too much of it now. We're still in the early stages, but just had a site visit this past week with uh, the architect that I'm hoping to work with, and it went phenomenal. So fantastic! That is, that's yeah. a huge thing. I mean, all, both of those things are cool, but what a synthesis of like what you're doing, right? With the outdoor classroom and then the sort of the visual tie yeah. and the architecture and. The, and of course, you know, watching birds and drawing from nature and all that stuff. Fantastic. That is just like killer. 
Thanks. And, and the thing that is really exciting for me is that the location on the river is at the head of what's called the San Juan Acequia. And it's actually the site of the oldest water rights in the state of Texas. Um, this Acequia was built by the Canary Islanders when they came over, you know, in, um, you know, 17, I can't remember the exact year. Mm-hmm. They're um, within minutes walking distance to the Spanish colonial missions. Um, this is the um, the home of the Coltecan people, right? who were there before any of this going on. It's also situated just minutes away from I-35, which is one of the most dangerous um, migratory paths um, for humans uh, today. And it's along the central flyway, right, which is one of the four main, um, you know, bird migratory paths. And so I really see this sculpture, and which I'm calling La Misma Cancion, so right, the same song, which kind of points to the fact that we are all hearing the same song of these birds along uh, those pathways. But it's really a sight to think deeply about history and migration and context and land and movement. I mean, amazing. (laughs) And we'll do some of those things together um, on, on Saturday, January uh, 27th. Um, I'm just thrilled. I mean, it's amazing. Just all that stuff is so good. It's, you know, you're, you're a positive force in the world. um, That's sometimes which desperately needs positive forces. So um, appreciate you, and I'm so excited you're part of this program and uh, part of my life. And, and a teacher at Texas State, got to shout out the Bobcats um, yeah. in our School of Art and Design. I mean, come on. What do we know, do here? We, got some, we have good people there. And we you're did. definitely uh, one and, of them. So, and Barry, thank you again. You know, not just for the opportunity for this, but also for really being a think partner for me in so much of this process. And um, I really appreciate the dialogue that you and I were able to have, um, particularly about this piece and choosing to show this piece at CoLab. I was. For for the first uh, bits of the early conversation, I was really wanting to show parts of this other archive. And as I dug deeper into that, I realized that this work I think is really going to be the ideal fit for for CoLab. So, but always appreciate our our deep ramblings and dreamings and complaining <laughs> and uh, pulling together's and all the things that we get to do uh, over the days and weeks together. So, uh, great privilege is totally mine. Absolutely. Well, well, thank you so much and. Um, We'll see you um, soon. All right. Thanks, Barry.
Thanks for listening to the Port Swing Orchestra podcast. We just heard a live recording of Big Thicket Stomp from the composition Lost Pines, performed by yours truly, Barry Stone and Paul Stottinger, as a part of Vast as the Sea, a series of presentations and performances highlighting the interconnections between sound, image, and community held at CoLab Projects in Austin, Texas. Following that, we heard a taste of the audio from Mark's video and sound processing piece he will present as a part of the same series on Saturday, January 27th at 7 p.m. You can get tickets to see Mark's performance and all the subsequent performances on a sliding scale at collabprojects.org. That's co-labprojects.org. Hope to see y'all there.